Southeast Radio's morning mix. Chat, news, and your views. Alan Corcoran. Irish Association of Emergency Medicine, as you heard in Southeast Radio News, says the COVID situation in hospitals is intolerable and highly dangerous. The organisation has joined nursing unions in calling for the return of a mask mandate and remote working. The emergency powers introduced two years ago to help fight COVID-19 will expire at midnight tonight. Dr. Fergal Hickey, president of the Irish Association for Emergency Medicine, says hospitals are struggling to cope. It is highly dangerous. There isn't an emergency department in the country that isn't overrun at the moment and is having to deal with COVID and non-COVID care simultaneously in an environment in which it's effectively impossible. And at the same time, we can't admit anybody to a ward because there are no beds for them, so there are large numbers of patients on trolleys. Meanwhile, Minister Stephen Donnelly admitted there is significant pressure on hospitals from COVID cases, but he says at present there are no plans to reintroduce restrictions. There is no advice coming to me at the moment in terms of the reimposition of any measures uh, for various reasons. One, this sublineage BA2, which is about 95% of cases right now, being so contagious that actually using uh, population-based measures to push the curve down would require some very uh, serious measures indeed. We did two polls in South East Radio on this over the last number of weeks. The first one, 84% said the return of compulsory face masks. Last week we did a poll on the basis of a question raised by the INMO and 80% said the return of compulsory face masks. I'm joined by paramedic and independent councillor Ger Carty. Good morning to Ger. Good morning, Alan. So, Ger, what's your view on the, the two clips I've just played there? The first one, the medical one, and then from the minister. Well, I wholeheartedly support the uh, the medical and the things where they've, they've outlined the fact that we need to go back to to um, wearing uh, masks in in public settings and in closed areas. But um, the minister is, seems to be very reluctant um, to to take that action. I think it would be uh, st- it would stand in solidarity with the um, the medical profession, and the cares the nurses, the doctors, the paramedics, the advanced paramedics that have fought so valiantly over the last two and a half years against COVID. And just to take a synopsis of the current situation, as of yesterday, I think it was probably north of 80 people with COVID in Wexford General, and that's of a general bed allocation of about 160 beds. So that's nearly 50%. Now, what does it take to trigger uh, support from the government in the context of to help and support the endeavours of um, the health service. It's at breaking point, but that's also compounded by the fact that there's so many uh, members of staff out also with COVID-related issues. So, and that's somewhere in the region of a reduction of maybe 60 or 70 in Wexford General, probably 20% with the with the ambulance service, and that's to, without even talking about the public health sector. And then you have nursing homes uh, on top of that. I think it would be a gesture um, uh, and stand in solidarity if the people were to go back to wearing masks. I think there was no real appetite to uh, to take them away at the time and people were, would have been happy enough I think, to continue with it for another few months uh, or, or indefinitely because it was helping supporting the, uh, the health service. Uh, and if the masks were to become compulsory again, would it make a difference, Joe? I think it'd help anyway. Look at anything that helps the spread of COVID-19. We can talk about how transmissible it is, but any small thing can be a big thing in a healthcare setting. But let's be fair about this. The the, the mask wearing continues within Wexford General um, and has done for the past two and a half years. So there's no real change within the, the health system itself. 
but it's the general public, you know, that feed into that health system. And let's be fair, the, the staff in all these places have, you know, family at home, and we're trying to mitigate against the spread of it. Now, I know it's extremely difficult to do, but I think it would be a gesture to the health service to, to if the general public were to help and support them in their endeavours by putting the masks back on for a while. Yeah, just to clarify what you've said to me there, are you telling me, as you and I speak this morning, half the capacity in Wexford General Hospital is COVID-related? Yeah, at the moment, yeah. 80. That's what I was told yesterday morning. Yeah. That was yesterday morning. How is the how is the hospital co- coping with that? And twenty percent sure, of the I staff missing. Fair about it. Elective surgery will be cancelled. The people that have required operations, you know, are, are going to be put back again. And how like how much of this do do we have to take before there's action taken? Like, so okay for Stephen Donnelly to say, you know, he hasn't got the. the uh, scientific advice given by the chief medical officer but like you know sit in the real world and see what's happening there it's on the ground you know the, the infectious rate is very high there's a large number within the hospital the operations are being cancelled as of Monday morning there was uh, 17 patients lodged in the ED lodged means that they're awaiting admission to the hospital and that's uh, on top of uh, 12, uh, 12 beds also like you north of, of 30 patients in the ED on a Monday morning the ambulances can't get in, there's no room for the patients to be to admitted to the hospital and the whole health service is under serious pressure, like what mm-hmm. does it take, Like, does he have to come down and see what's going on or, or is he just waiting on Tony Olihan or Roland Lynn to make a decision in relation to this they were given out about him six months ago he had too much power, the power is given back to him now and they haven't the, I don't think they have the ability to make that decision that's strong stuff. Uh, out of the number of people, says this texture, in Wexford Hospital with COVID, how many were actually admitted to hospital from COVID and not for other reasons and had COVID before they went in and was detected and how many got COVID whilst they were in the hospital? I mean, I, I, I'm not a statistician. I'd have to go to Ireland. Yeah, I, I look at, to yeah. be honest, Alan, I'm not either, but like yeah. they, they're tested on arrival, they're tested on discharge, they're tested during the, their stay in the hospital. So it's very hard to, to know where you where you pick the lump, you can pick it up in the shop, you can pick it up in the service station, you can pick it up in the pub, you can pick it up in the hospital. Mm. But like if you wear a mask, it'll help. And if you wash your hands, it'll also help. And anything that every little helps is like the Tesco ad, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Um, so, like, uh, as you and I talk about this now, um, let's do that little poll again, see what the listeners are thinking. What do you think? Time to bring in the compulsory face mask. Let's do it for the third time. Yes or no? Texas and 87 377 and we'll pass on the results to, but, to the But, Alan, you should also... You should probably also look at in the context where people people would have been happy to continue with the mask wearing, I think. Yeah. And I, I'm only t- picking it up from the general the people that I talk to on a daily basis. And a lot of them have said, why didn't we continue with that? We could have given up all the rest of the stuff. But let's, we should have continued with the mask. And I think people would have been quite happy with that. But, I, uh, you know, I think we went a bit severe uh, quite quick. And we're reaping the benefit of it now when we've a packed hospital. Uh, we've staff under pressure, we've patients under pressure, we've, uh, you know, a large infection rate at the moment, and uh, something will have to give. Let's uh, turn our attention to the Rosslare Ukraine situation. I'm not quite sure if you heard the piece from the two women living in the Rosslare area yesterday and their concerns about being hemmed in by juggernauts, etc. There was a suggestion made that there is a lot, and we have to go back to the TII and get a response from them, where you could park up to 35 vehicles, Ger. I'm sure it's something that you're, you're hearing in the district on a regular basis. A lot of anger yeah, well, down there. Yeah, yeah. There was, there's been meetings with, with TII and Wexford County Council. They've advocated that that issue needs to be dealt with, and uh, it you know, the county council have dragged their feet. Uh, Transport Infrastructure Ireland have dragged their feet. So I've taken it on myself. I've a meeting the afternoon with two landowners down there with a view to hopefully getting parking space up to 50 trucks with the appropriate temporary facilities, toilets, etc. 
So I, I do hope to make an announcement in relation to that over the, over the coming weeks because we can't wait on these state agencies to do it. Now we have to go do it ourselves. As the people in Rossler Harbour that, that I represent are, are suffering on the head of it as, as Eileen and Galula to yesterday, you know, they're, they're using the, the side of their all as toilets. And, and that's yeah. not, not acceptable for the local communities, not acceptable for the truck drivers that should have facilities down there in the port. We knew long enough Brexit was coming. Uh, we didn't prepare, in fairness to Deputy Murphy, she looked for the uh, OPW site. Um, she hasn't been successful to date, whether she will be, I don't know. But it's, it's strange to see a, a massive facility like that that costs north of 10 million that we can't use it for, for temporary parking. Yeah. But um, we hope to get some news on it in, in the coming weeks. And I, I hope I'll, I'll let you know as soon as I do that to alleviate those issues. I've also secured funding from the County Council to uh, reduce the junctions uh, at the housing estates in Greenhorn Park and La Rochelle and a number of places to stop the trucks turning in. And so that should help with that problem. But look, there was to be work done to the link road to allow for 20 spaces for trucks to pull in. Uh, it hasn't been done. It's not acceptable. And the County Council needs to come to the, to come to the table immediately. And it needs to be done by close of business tomorrow. Yeah, the two women that we had on yesterday, by goodness, they didn't hold back and we got some reaction to them and we need more people to come forward and speak honestly and openly like that because only by speaking and and, uh, and fighting for the cause will they get results and to be honest with you, and I said it yesterday, the wheels of bureaucracy in this country moves far so slowly, it seems to take an absolute age for anything to be done, but this is, I mean, if you in your paramedic role had to go down there urgently into one of those houses and, and all those trucks are outside, it's, it's going to be very difficult for you to do that, isn't it? It is for the extricate a patient from a house, absolutely it is, because there's, there's trucks everywhere, they're in laybys, they're in bus stops, they're on the side of the road, they're parked in housing estates, they're, and like these are, these trucks have life, livestock on board, they have fridges running all night, and you know, it's been, it's very disruptive to the, to the local community, but the Europort has a part to play, they need to let in these trucks early to, to book in, they're not doing that. Glenn Carr doesn't want to come to the table in relation to this. I know they're going to do massive infrastructure works, but I hope that some of that will form part of a of a, an appropriate parking space down yeah. there. But I will have, I can tell you now, Alan, I will have news in the next couple of weeks in relation to parking the Rassler okay. Harbour because right. it's gone on too long. Okay, I will go back to Glenn Carr to get his response to what you just said there to give him a right of reply on that. Before we move away, um, Ger, uh, hospital numbers we've talked about. We've talked about the situation where people have been hemmed in, but the uh, arrival of 65 on foot and 73 in cars, 138 uh, new emigrants arriving in today, or refugees arriving in today from Ukraine. How are we coping? How are the friends of Ukraine coping in Rosslare? And do you reiterate the call where funding needs to be provided and provided urgently? Yeah, like, uh, they're coping well because, you know, there's a serious volunteerism in, in Rassler Harbour and that general community and the environs of that area because, you know, the 14th of March they stepped up to the mark. They've been looking after the Ukrainian or Ukrainian friends coming in via the port since then on a, you know, every second day. You know, it's a big logistical operation and as I called for on Monday, I said the state agencies need to step up. We can't have any more piecemeal. We must have genuine engagement. We must have the funding because uh, the, the friends of Rosler, or the Ukraine, uh, the friends of Rosler group, like have, you know, they've, they've spent a large amount of money that has been funded by the local community, and they can't continue to sustain that. The government now must step in, and they must deliver on this. And Roger Gargarman, I asked him to come down, and I believe that he will be down in the next number of days. He's the minister with responsibility for this. Yeah. And uh, you know, there needs to be a bigger emphasis brought to this, like. On, on yesterday, 30 Ukrainian refugees were brought to the Danby Lodge in Kilnick from Dublin Airport. Like, there, you know, no, Danby Lodge would be better, 
a better facility for coming for people coming out of the Euro port. So I don't know what the the rationale behind that is, but you know it's a logistical nightmare. But you know the community have yeah. come to the fore in Rosslare and they've continued to do so until okay. such time as the state agencies get their act together. Okay, Jared, just one quick comment from Mark and Wexford. I can't believe what I'm hearing this morning. Masks do nothing to help stop the spread of COVID. The problem is the failure of government. They've not invested in the health services over the last 10 years. Plus, they want people to wear masks. It's just a joke. Please read this out. I He says, please read this out. But you probably won't. Thanks anyway. Well, I did. I'm, uh, not, yeah, yeah. I'm not in the business of uh, defending the, the government. But uh, what I would say, they didn't invest in the, in the health service prior to the pandemic. But they're not, certainly not responsible for global pandemic that started in Asia. Southeast Radio's Morning Mix. Chat, news and your views.